0: Judges chapter 8. Occasionally I like to cover unknown stories or or rarely mentioned stories in the Bible. I'm going to deviate from our series in 2 Corinthians tonight. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture, basically to get you through a story, and make one simple point tonight. So I'm titling this, Is God paying any attention at all to this mess? Maybe it didn't slip through your lips, but it passed through your mind as you're looking at what is unfolding in our world. But this isn't the first day or the first generation or the first nation to face craziness. Judges chapter 8, verse 29. And Jeroboam... The son of Joash, this is Gideon's name, for those of you that are not familiar with that. He went and dwelt his own house, and Gideon had three score and ten sons. I don't recommend this, (laughs) for he had many wives, and his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son, whose name he called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash's father, in Ophrah, and it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again, went a whoring after Balaam, and made Bel their God, and the children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God, who delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side. Neither showed they kindness to the house of Jeroboam, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Everyone here is familiar with the story of Gideon, how uh, he took an army of 32,000 and got through a series of events, whittled that number down to 300, and then supernaturally gave them the victory. Gideon has has now died, and uh, Israel's once again without a judge. They wanted, the people wanted to make Gideon king. He refused decided instead to become a priest. Uh, But now we see his sons, specifically Abimelech, the son of a concubine. Now, I I know this was Old Testament days, but still uh, we see a man, I believe Gideon was a good man, that made some very poor decisions, and the nation would pay and his family would pay. And fathers, let me just remind you, you may not pay for that sin today, but at some point in your life, your children will begin to pay the consequences. And whether that's overlooking something, disobeying a Bible command, ignoring what God is leading us to do, we will at some point see the consequences reaped in the lives of our children and how drastic we see all these consequences as they unfold. But look what it says in verse 33. Here's the nature of man and what we see repeated in the book of Judges. It came to pass, look at the next phrase, as soon as Gideon was dead. It didn't take long for the leader to die before the entire nation turned from following God and into idolatry. And here's what, look at verse 23, just so you see what was recently mentioned. Gideon had told uh, the people, he said to them, I will not rule over you. Neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. That's a good place to be. The Lord's always a better replacement than any person that finds himself in political office. But in those latter days, look what it says, verse 27, Gideon did. Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in a city even in Ophrah. And all of Israel went thither, they whoring after it which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. I don't believe for a minute that Gideon was trying to lead the people into idolatry. I believe he was careless in what he did. And as a result, I've seen a lot of parents oblivious, not willfully leading their homes into danger, but because of an oblivious human nature doing something that they think is harmless. In this day and age, it doesn't take much to get the whole family a whoring after wickedness through internet and television and music and uh, you name it. There are a million ways for that to happen. And we find the whole nation and his family going the wrong direction. It says it this thing became a snare unto Gideon and to the nation, to his family. Uh, but uh, he has this boy... Abimelech, and he's from Shechem, this, this woman is from Shechem, and here's, uh, here's what we see, she was uh, a follower of Baal, look what it says in chapter 9, verse 27, as we begin to read, but look, look what happens here, they went out into the field, speaking of the people of Shechem, and gathered their vineyards, and trod the grapes, and made merry, and went into the house of, what's it say? their God and did eat, drink, and cursed Abimelech. Uh, These people were uh, totally given over to idolatry. And you have a marriage that should have never happened, a mixed marriage between a follower of God and a follower of Baal. And the kids, uh, at least this one, gravitated towards mom and away from dad and we see him. He was never a follower of God, as far as we know. And that was dad's fault, not mom's, because of a choice that he made. But look what it says, verse 1. Abimelech, like the son of Jeroboam, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren, and he communed with them, and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for you he either than all the sons of bell, which are three score and ten persons reign over you or that want to reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. Now, you know what Abimelech's name means? My father is king. Now, this woman had something from the very beginning in her mind. She was already thinking as soon as she got her hooks on Gideon and at this child, she said, hey, I'm going to make sure that my son is next in line. And Israel had not had a king up to this point, simply judges. But she was saying, we don't need another judge. We need a king and my boy can be that man. So it was already planted in his mind. I guarantee you, you know, over the years, he didn't just wake up one day and say, I want to be king of Israel. This is mama that had planted these ideas in his head. So when he's of age, he comes to Shechem, his hometown, and he begins uh, to, to connive with his and conspire with his mother and say, let's put it in the hearts and minds of these people. And he said, there are 70 boys in all. And most likely, one of these boys is going to become the next leader. I'm from Shechem. I'm hometown. I'm homegrown. Uh, Why don't you put your eggs in my basket? Why don't you back me up and help me become the next leader of this nation? Look what it says. So his mother's brethren spake of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem. They begin a grassroots movement. In the political campaign of Abimelech. Door to door, house to house, business to business. And the movement was strong. And their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. And they gave him, now now look, let me just say this. It was in this man's heart to be the king. Would you have men that lust for power, There's nothing they won't do to obtain that power. Don't be surprised and think this is new to the United States or new in any country around the world. This has always been in the hearts of uh, men who are full of the flesh, given over to selfishness, desirous of power, and... uh, Maybe new to Israel, but this is something that we've seen repeated in politics over and over and over. Here's a man that would stoop to any measure possible to gain the power and the position that he so desired. And there was mom helping him the whole time. So they gave him three score and ten pieces of silver, so he leads with 70 pieces of silver, look where he gets it from, out of the house of Baal. We already know where his inclination is, where his heart is. Obviously, with these kind of motives and where that soul is going, this is not a heart for God and a desire to lead the people in the right direction. He was not one of the judges in the book of Judges established by God. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When things seem like they're out of control and spiraling down And the God is not paying any attention at all. We're going to find out God is not oblivious in any moment. God's never been caught in heaven saying, oh, hold on on for a second. We need to have a meeting over here and figure out what we're going to do next. They gave him three scores. He has 70 pieces of now. Look what he's going to do with this money in order to establish his position as king. We're with Abimelech. What's he do now? The campaign's going well. But he's got to put some feet to his uh, dreams. So someone who is wicked and worthless is going to find wicked and worthless to follow him. Be careful. Uh, People always get the government they deserve. Uh, We saw here in California yesterday and this morning You couldn't have a governor that is doing more to intentionally destroy his state. And when given the opportunity to move on to someone with better economic policies, social policies, the people decided to stick with a man with a track record of ruining his state. Human nature never ceases to surprise. So he takes us he hires vain and light persons. We're not talking about 50-pound people. We're talking people light in the brain. Few brain cells. Those that were wicked in their hearts and would follow after someone with evil intentions. Well, they followed him. And he went to his father's house at Orpha and slew his brethren. So he goes in now, don't get stuck in the number. You say if there was 70 minus him and the one that escaped me, 68 or 69. The, the scripture repeatedly states that 70 were slain. So we're going to stick with that number. There are three score and 10 persons. Now, here's, here's when you read scripture, you want to pay attention to every phrase. Look at the next phrase: upon one stone. Now, this guy was diabolical. This man was a sick puppy. This man was so evil that he took the same boys that he had grown up with, whether or not he was a half-brother, whether or not they lived in the same area. Obviously, they'd spent time together. He brings them out, not with a group of soldiers to slay them at one time, but he sits there as they bring his brothers out one at a time on the same stone And he's watching it take place. This is one evil man. But he said, these guys just might have to prevent me from uh, taking my position of power. I don't want them to get a single vote. So I'm going to exterminate them. You think cheating has taken place in our voting process over the past 10 years or has taken place in uh, voting, so-called voting in Venezuela or Cuba, You know that's a misnomer. But in this case, he said, I'm not going to provide you the opportunity to vote. And he has each one of his brothers decapitated, probably with dull knives. Notwithstanding, yeah, Jotham, there was one that escaped. The youngest son of Jeroboam was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem, they gathered together, and all the house of Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king by the plain. Now, now this is key. We, we do often just, we race through scripture and don't pay close enough attention. Look what it says. They made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Now, can go back to Joshua 24. Let's find out, this is a couple of hundred years earlier. Let's find out what that pillar was. Joshua chapter 24 Verse 24, the famous chapter, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And what did the people say? We're gonna serve God. Verse 24, the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God, will we serve? His voice will we obey? So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and he set them a statute and an ordinance where? Now, hold on for a second. Look at this. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, took a great stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So Joshua takes the law, makes an inscription upon this huge stone. Doesn't that sound like what happened in Washington, D.C. a couple hundred years ago? Anyone here visited Washington, D.C.? I don't care if it's the Capitol building. The justice buildings, the courts, the cemeteries, all of them have scripture ingrained in stone. What well, was once a Christian nation not just Israel but America, how things have changed because we're a nation that can do exactly what they were doing. You can you can perform the most vile acts right over the very stones that contain the laws of God written by a previous generation of God-fearing Christians. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, took a great stone, set it up there under an oak. It was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness. Now, hold on for a minute. So in this town, he was born and raised. How many times had Abimelech seen this stone? How many times did he read the words written on this stone? The law of God. Well, he didn't have a Bible. No, but he had a large stone with the law of God written on it. So if there was any man that should have known better. But not just that. Where he is performing these despicable acts of killing his own brothers and making himself king was right... God highlights it was there at the same pillar that he was doing this where Joshua said, this shall be a witness unto us for it hath heard it. This stone hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness. This stone shall be what? A witness. This stone of Imalek shall be a witness not just to Shechem but to you. The law of God. Thou shalt not Kill, thou shalt not covet. And he's doing all of the above. Look what it says, verse 7. When they told it to Jotham, he went and stood at the top of the Mount Gerizim. Now, this is another famous Mount, Mount of Blessing. But you can actually from Mount Gerizim see where all this was taking place. It was happening close to the same time. So here they are choosing Abimelech to be their king. They really don't have much choice. They've been flooded with misinformation. Men have been paid, mercenaries have been paid to eliminate the rivals. And Jotham, boy, he can you imagine? He's going he's gonna to speak the truth, but he's nervous. We're going to see he's going to have to run for his life after he speaks the truth. Because he's out there for anybody that who he can get their attention and speaking loud enough to create a ruckus. And he's going to speak what some would call a parable, others would call a fable. Whatever the case, it was very prophetic and obviously came from the very mouth of God to the heart of Jotham. Look what it says. He went and stood on the top of Mount. Gerasim, and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them. Once again, look at the wording of this. Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. Church, when a man of God comes with a message from the word of God, this isn't his message, but God's message, you can't defy God's message and end up winning or prospering long term and he said you need to listen to this the way you want god to listen to you because he said our lives that were pleasant for a while are about to change and he gives him a story here of some trees look what it says verse 8 the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them do trees need a king and they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? The olive tree said, I saw first. Now, here's what you're going to notice. He lists three specific trees, and these were the best trees in all of Israel, the most productive and of highest value. The olive tree, verse 10, the fig tree. And the tree said to the fig tree, Come thou. And reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees to the vine, the grapevine, come down and reign over us. And the vine said to them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? They said, Why, why would we waste our lives in politics when we could be more fruitful in different areas? Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to make this a political message. I promised myself in my prayer closet I wouldn't. (laughs) Verse 14, then said these trees. So the vine, the fig, the olive tree said, no, we're we're not going to stoop to take a political office when God has already given us a purpose and we're fulfilling that purpose and helping and blessing people like a politician can't. Then said all the trees unto... The bramble. Now, what, what purpose serves a bramble? Not shade, it's just a thorn, a thorn in the side of everyone that has one in, in the yard or in the vineyard. So they said, Well, we have no choice left but to uh, pick the bramble. Come down and run over us in the bramble. Who is being identified as a bramble? Abimelech. Bramble said to the trees, If in truth he anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. If not, now look what it says. Look how prophetical this is going to be. If not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. He said, If you in truth and sincerity pick the bramble, all of you are going to be blessed. Well, we know this wasn't in sincerity and truth because they'd taken 70. Uh, talents and silver from the house of Bell, and paid mercenaries to eliminate the rivals So there was no truth and sincerity from the very first uh, sign that went up in the very first yard There was only one choice on the ballot. The other candidates read dead deceased headless decapitated verse 17 for my father no, verse 16. We don't want to skip a verse. Now, therefore, if you have done truly and sincerely and that you've made Abimelech king, and if you dealt well with Jeroboam and his house and have done it to him according to the deserving of his hands, for my father, Gideon, he fought for you. He had ventured his life far and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. Now, that is true. You are risen against my father's house this day and slain 70 of his boys. Be careful. Be careful, you say, I, I I think you you're out in the world. And you put your confidence in someone out there in the world. Your confidence is misplaced. If you think there's any loyalty in the heart of an unsaved man, you are setting yourself up for deception. My boss loves me as long as you can make a lot of money for that company. But as soon as you can be replaced with someone cheaper, that love will wane. And it might be six months before you get your pension. 18, you're risen up against my father's house this day, have slain his sons, three score and ten persons upon one stone, have made Abimelech, the son of his maidservant, king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother. If you then have dealt truly and sincerely with Jeroboam and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. Say, listen, guys. If this was a fair fight, if this was a good thing, if this was an amazing choice, if he's pure and you're pure, hey, everyone go have a party. Go make the cake, celebrate in the streets. But he said, but if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo. And let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. He said, if this is a bad thing, guess what's going to happen? You both are going to end up devouring each other. How do we know this is what happens in the world. Politicians devour the people and the people devour the politicians. It's a vicious cycle. And it didn't start way back in the book of Judges. It started in the hearts of men. This is just one of the first times we see it. And don't, don't think it to be any great surprise if you see it right here in your own nation. Jotham. Guess what he did? He was a smart man. He knows, not only that people heard, but word is quickly getting back to his half-brother. And Abimelech is not going to take lightly that he missed one. He's going to say, don't sharpen that knife. No, go get me a butter knife, because when we take off Jotham's head, I want to make sure he feels every second of the decapitation. So Jotham ran away and fled and went to... Beer, not to drink a beer, but he went to beer. And he dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. When Abimelech had reigned... Now, now look at how short-lived this is. He, three years. Uh, aren't, aren't you glad that, uh, for the most part, there are two-year, four-year terms? I mean thankful for those? Aren't you glad you don't live in a nation now? We, we know Chavez change that and it could change in our nation don't think for a minute they're not plotting to uh, to change those things when you can add a 51st state that guarantees you unlimited power as a government when you can enlarge the supreme court stack it don't think that all those things aren't already in the works cheaters cheat. The corrupt live by way of their corruption. None of that should surprise you. We, James and I, were in Venezuela, day 64 of the strike, the national strike against Chavez. And at that point, the people were convinced he was was trying to gain unlimited power and extend his role past six years and he would end up doing that but they thought at that point it would be impossible that's why they were striking they were going to strike for 100 days we had to be there day 64 the americans were gone and james and i were down there at the barbecue Ten thousand people wrapped in venezuelan flags and jumping up and down and shouting down with chavez now thankfully none of his mercenaries were around to take us off the planet. Because once he gained control, guess what he did? Begin to eliminate his enemies. Look what it says in verse 22. So three years in, God says, enough. Now, how me understand this is just pure chaos up to this point. Corruption and chaos. Now, all of Israel had not accepted him as king. He's ruling over a very small group of people. Check them in the surrounding areas. But God says, even that's enough. Verse 23, then God sent an evil spirit. Now, this is hard for the human mind to capture. And I've heard everything on the sun when it comes to the sovereignty of God. We do understand Satan is the God of this world. How many understand that? Yes, yes. But you do understand that God can still move uh, the pieces on the chessboard oh, yeah. no matter which side they're on. God can move the queen to get them to move the castle so he can kill the king. It's that easy. It's not even fair. Have you ever played your kids in checkers and you tried to give them hope? You wanted to make them feel good? You thought before I kill you, I'm going to let you feel like you can actually, you can actually have a, a moment of victory. Here's what God is. Doing. God actually takes, and, and remember this, when you look at what's going on around the world, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Something much greater. Don't ever attribute what is taking place. I was never a conspiracy theorist until the past few years, and now I believe every conspiracy. (laughs) But it's not the brilliance of these men in leadership positions. It's not the billionaires, it's not the politicians, it's not the world leaders. You're talking about literally demonic forces unleashed, and we see this in the book of Daniel, but literally manipulating world leaders, putting thoughts and ideas in their hearts and minds. And in this case, it was God who said, I'm going to bring all of this to naught, I'm going to send out an evil spirit, so the men of Shechem turn on Abimelech, and Abimelech turns on the men of Shechem because they need to punish each other. Look what it says. God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech that the cruelty done to the three and ten sons of Jeroboam, might come and their blood be laid upon abimelech their brother which slew them and upon the men of shechem which aided him god said i'm going to punish all of them and i'm going to allow them to punish each other the men of shechem set lighters in wait for him in the top of the mountains and they robbed all that came along that way by them and it was told abimelech to so the men of Shechem begin to lose confidence because this evil spirit came down there and said, you know what you guys ought to do? Abimelech's making a lot of money and we have trade routes here in our country. Why don't you go plunder those wagons? And uh, you, you thought Wells Fargo was having problems here in the United States a hundred years ago with uh, Billy the Kid and this group of bandits that roamed the West. And this started way back these bandits are are plundering and pillaging those men and and Abimelech gets ticked off and he said this is hurting my income and Gaul, the son of Ebed came with his brother verse 26 he went over to Shechem and the men of Shechem put their confidence in him so here comes a new man on the scene that says forget Abimelech he can't his region is small, and he can't even control the chaos in his own region. Boy, does he have the Gaul. The Gaul that he had, the son of Ebed, he came with his brethren. He went over to Shechem. And the men at Shechem, so they, they changed their allegiance from Abimelech to Gaul. And they went out into the fields. They gathered the vineyards. They drove the grapes. They made merry. They're partying. They said, you know what? We never liked this guy really anyways. It was his mom that led us to vote for him. So they went out, gathered the grapes, got drunk in the house of their god, Baal, and cursed Abimelech. You know, there's always a large percentage of the population drunk or sober the want to curse their political leaders. Verse 28, Gaul the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech? Who is Shechem that we should serve him? Is not he the son of Drebobol? And Zebul, his officer... Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. For why should we Why should we serve him? We're done with that mess. Would to God this people were under my hand, then would I remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, increase thine army and come out. And when Zebul, now Zebul had been appointed by, placed by Abimelech. So his loyalty still lies there. And when Zebul, the ruler of the city, this is the, the mayor here. He heard the words of Gaul, the son of Ebed. His anger was kindled. He said, this is trouble. I've got to make sure my boss knows about this insurrection. We're going to have to squelch this. And don't you know that satanic spirit was having a blast? He just put in the stick and he was stirring the pot. He was turning this person against that person, that person against this person. Then he ran over there and said... To Zebor, you need to go tell Abimelech, verse 31. He sent the messengers unto Abimelech privilege, saying, Behold, Gail, the son of Ebed and his brethren, become to Shechem, and behold, they fortify the city against thee. Now therefore, up by night, thou thy people that is with thee, and lie in wait in the field. He said, well, What we're gonna have to do here's be a little bit tricky. So we just need you to stay hidden outside the city, I'm going to make sure they go outside the city, and when they do, they'll be easy prey. It should be that in the morning, verse 33, as soon as the sun is up, thou shalt rise early and set up the city. This reads better than any novel or Hollywood. Hollywood couldn't come up with anything like this. Amen? And here's the blessing. I don't have time anymore for 300-page books. And God put a 300 page book in one chapter. Incredible what's going to take place here. Behold, when he and the people that is with him come out against thee, then mayest thou do to them as thou shalt find occasion. So Abimelech, Abimelech, verse 34, he rose up, all the people that were with him by night. They laid wait in Shechem in four companies. And Gaul, the son of Ebed, went out, stood in the, entering the gate of the city. And Abimelech rose up, and the people that were with him from lying in wait. And when Gaul saw the people, he said to Zebel, now, here they are together. Zebul set him up. Gaul didn't even realize he'd been set up. He just realizes he has newfound power and an army and the men of Shechem have backed him up. And he thinks if Abimelech ever shows back up, I'll put a knife under his fifth rib and be the end of that man and I'll take his position. So Gaul's out there. He sees the people. And he said to Zebul, behold, there come people down from the top of the mountains. Yes, you're about ready to die. But he doesn't know what's going on, he's been betrayed. And Zebul, the mayor, says to him, thou seest the shadow of the mountains as if they were men. All those things that are racing towards us with swords and spears on horses, it's a figment of your imagination. It's the shadow of the mountain. You know how clouds will play with your eyes. One of these days we gotta buy you some new glasses, I wouldn't worry about it at all. And Gaul spake again and said, See, there come people down from the middle of the land and another company along by the plain of Mioninen. And he said, I don't think my eyes are deceiving me. I think those are actually men marching towards this city. What do you think, mayor? And the mayor said, buy some new glasses. But now, verse 38, then said Zebul unto him when he could no longer lie. Where is now thy mouth? Hey, big mouth. I thought you were just saying is Abimelech yeah bring that boy out here let's put some boxing gloves on let's put us in a ring together me and him I'll smack macho and camacho down I'll take him you see these pipes as evil said I thought you were just bragging about uh, who is Abimelech seems to me like now you're a little bit nervous I notice a little bit of sweat dripping from your brow are you sure you're okay Wherewith thou saidest, who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Is not this the people that thou hast despised? Go out, I pray thee now, and fight with them. Can you imagine if you were watching this in a play? This is all, Shakespeare has nothing on what's taking place right here. This is amazing. And you know what? That evil spirit. You're just going from person to person and place to place. Stirring the pot so these people will kill each other. Gao went out, verse 39, before the men of Shechem. He fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him, and many were overthrown and wounded even unto the entering of the gate. And Abimelech dwelt at Aramah, and Zebul thrust out Gaul and his brethren that they should not dwell to Shechem. He said, No, you guys are not going to live in this city anymore. You're done. This is my place, my house, my city. Gate shut. You guys go fight your own battles and lead me out of this. And it came to pass tomorrow that the people went out into the field. They told Abimelech, he took the people and divided them into three companies, laid wait in the field. Look, behold, the people were come forth out of the city. He rose up against them and smote them. Now hold on for a second. Think about this. These were the same people that had elected him king. These were the same people, some of them that had been paid in silver. To kill his brothers. And now, you're looking at Galt saying, What have we done? And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward, stood in the entering of the gate, and the two other companies ran upon all the people, those that were in the fields, and they slew them. And Abimelech fought against the city, and all that day he took the city, slew the people that was therein, beat down the city, and look at how vile this man is. Do you see how specific God is about what he's going to do? He slew the people, he beat down the city, and he sowed it with salt. He said, I want to so destroy this city that it can't even be inhabited. I don't want them to be able to plant any crop anywhere around. This city is over, it's done. You have the gall to attack me, you'll never have the gall again to attack me. This is an ugly man out of control whose only desire in his life is position and power and authority. And we have a lot of those in political office in the United States today. No concern about anyone except themselves. Verse 46. When all the men of the Tower of Shechem heard that. Now look at how sick this man is. I actually look at Abimelech it goes way beyond evil and despicable and merciless. This man was on the level of a terrorist. Look what he does next. When all the men at the Tower of Shechem heard that, they entered into a hole of the house of the God of Bareth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men at the Tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech got him up to the Mount Salmon, he and all the people that were with him. Abimelech took an axe in his hand, he cut down a bow from the trees, he took it. He laid it on his shoulder and he said to the people that were with him, You've seen me do what you've seen me do. Make haste and do as I have done. So they take their axes, they cut down limbs and brush as well. And all the people likewise cut down every man his bow and followed Abimelech and put them to the hold and set the hold on fire upon them so that all the men of the tower of Shechem died also. Here's a thousand people in this tower, men and women and he lights it on fire and listens to their scream as they all slowly burn to death. This man is sick. Do right. You understand someone that's consumed with power, position, and authority gets to the point where the only purpose in life is to hang on to that power, that position, and that authority at all costs? It doesn't matter who's destroyed, who's trampled, who's hurt. The only thing that matters is maintaining my power. And here he is. If, if you can sit and watch as your own brothers are decapitated one at a time, I guess it's no problem to light a tower on fire from the bottom and listen to the screams as people suffocate and burn to death. Now, let me ask you this. What was our question at the beginning of the evening? Was God paying any attention to this mess? He said, the people of Shechem deserve Abimelech, and Abimelech deserves the people of Shechem, and I'm going to allow them to judge each other. Verse 50, then went Abimelech to Thebes and encamped camped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower within the city with her. fled all the men and women, all the city, and shut it to them, and they got them up to the top of the tower. Here he goes again. Sounds to me like the Twin Towers. Terrorists. Sick people. With a sick purpose. Now he thinks he's a professional at killing people in a tower. And women came into the tower and fought against it. Went hard into the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And hold on for a second. There is a God in heaven. And a certain, what? There's nothing worse for a captain of an army and a king of a nation to get killed in battle. But to be killed in battle by a simple cook? She's on top of that tower. She got a bright idea. She said, We got some millstones up here. She said, "I that window, picked up that rock, said, I hope, you he look, he's coming closer. He's coming closer. I don't think I can throw it that far. I need you to come a little bit closer. Can you come a little bit closer? And then she went to go pick that thing up. She said, boy, I don't think I can throw it at all, but I can drop it. And the evil spirit said, Bimelech, come light this tower and fire. You forget your soldiers doing it. Why don't you just come right up here to the tower and you light the fire. And that woman, listen, she could have thrown it 10 feet away and it still was going to hit him in the head. She cast a piece of a millstone upon him, Bimelech's head. And all to break his skull. Then, hold on for a second. Look at, look at this. Anybody ever seen millstones? Okay, millstones are not this size. You're talking the small ones, you know, 8, 10 pounds. So, when this thing's being dropped from a tower, it can do some damage. Yeah, leave a little indentation somewhere, especially if it hits the skull. <laughs> Take someone quickly off this planet, right? But God said, I'm not even going to let you die immediately. Now let me ask you this, if someone gets hit on the head by a millstone dropped from a tower, do they usually live to identify the person that killed him? No. God made sure that he didn't get knocked out, so his head is smashed open. The guys around him are saying, I think you're going to die, and he said, I'm pretty sure I'm... And he looked up, and the woman's just... <laughs> you positioned yourself really well, thanks. I thought you were going to stay back, but you didn't. And then you, like, walked up like this, and I kept thinking when, and then I didn't know what to do and everything, and then you just walked right over here. It was like, hey! <laughs> He's like, can you shut that woman up? And he said, I don't want everyone to believe that woman that she killed me. So I need you, young man, to thrust me through. And he did, and he died. But it wasn't the young man that killed him. It was that cook with the deadly aim, with the big rock, the big smile. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Now hold on for a second. Now we got to the message. How many glad we finally made it? 54 verses later, we made it to the message. Some of you just read more Bible than you've read all week long. Helping you get caught up on your devotional life. Amen? Now look, what was our question tonight? Is God paying attention at all to any of this mess? Verse 56. Thus God. Let's say those two words together. Thus God. One more time. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father in slaying his 70 brethren. And all the evil the men of Shechem did. God. What? Render upon well, they didn't all get a rock to the head, but they all lost their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham. Remember what the curse of Jotham was? If you, if you guys decide to make that, that thorn bush your king fire, what? Did, didn't he say that? Fire. If if you did this and it wasn't in sincerity, and if it wasn't in purity, and if both sides didn't have the right intentions, the end of the day, he said, fire is going to consume both of you. You see the prophecy? Because you know what? There is a God. And did God choose Abimelech to be the king? No, the people made that mistake. Did God tell. Shechem, to follow that leadership. No, they made that choice. And it's amazing how one poor political choice can turn a nation upside down. So drastically, so quickly. And that's what the people at Shechem found out. But here's what God said. God never moved his eyes off the situation. Was never ignorant for a single moment. And God said, I'm going to use one of Satan's angels go stir the pot and let you guys render judgment Abimelech upon Shechem and Shechem upon Abimelech and guess what was left nothing Shechem was gone for 200 years Shechem ceased to exist and Abimelech with a crashed in bashed in head ceased to exist you know why? God's paying attention